Viewpoint, 8 to 10 p.m. Turning conventional wisdom on its head. on SAFM. The South African National Blood Services has issued an urgent appeal for blood donations as per the service of facing severe shortages of blood to the extent that there may not be sufficient available blood for patients in need to sustain the country over the festive season. Traditionally, December is a difficult time for the SANBS, together with Easter time, might one add, with limited access to corporate blood drives and the availability of donors impacting on the ability then to collect the minimum of some 3,500 units of blood a day that is needed to treat patients. Well then, on the line to heed, well not to heed this call, but rather to get you to heed the call to donate blood is indeed Ms. Kensani Matlangu, Communications Officer at the Blood Services. Ma'am, good evening. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you for having me. Heavy days ahead. This is where you are most worried, are you not? We are extremely concerned. You know, I think uh, COVID-19 really did hit us hard, especially after the country was opened back up, everyone went back to work and we we still maintain social distancing. So that was pretty challenging for us. Um, we haven't been able to reach the universities, the schools, the corporates where a bulk of our blood is donated. But you know, our donors really kept us going. Um, every time we've made an appeal, they really did come through. Similarly, this weekend, we did say, listen, we are facing a crisis and our donors did come through. So we're hoping to keep that momentum going. There are many factors, of course, that do disqualify one from donating blood. So before we actually get people to start donating and to get themselves interested, there are necessary health protocols that you have to abide by. And in many respects, you are completely at the mercy of the donor or the prospective donor for the purposes of collecting that blood. Can you then just go through the health protocols that you have to ensure are there in place before one's blood is drawn and when the blood is drawn what health protocols that blood goes through before it is infused in another patient because my lifestyle could impact whether or not I decide to donate. Yes, so I think as a a point of departure, uh, regardless of the COVID-19 pandemic, we do um, always defer donors who show signs and symptoms of flu infection you know, um, but over and above that, at the moment, we're monitoring very strictly for um, any infection symptoms, just to make sure donor centers remain clean and um, sterile for everyone to be able to donate. Um, so over and above that also, you need to be in good health when you present. You need to have had a meal, lead a very low-risk um, lifestyle, and consider your blood space for transfusion. So every uh, every Donation is tested thoroughly just to make sure that there's a hepatitis or HIV um, detected in the blood. So that doesn't matter whether you've been a donor for 50 years or you're just starting. We thoroughly check all the blood just to make sure that it's safe for, for transfusion. You mentioned risk profile of the donor. Do you just want to get into the deeper issues? I mean, I might not think I'm a risk, but I may very well be, as per the protocols of the blood services. Somebody else who I think is a greater risk might pass. So specifically, when you talk about a risk profile of the patient's blood, what are we really talking about? The obvious, of course, is something like HIV and AIDS and hepatitis, as you have mentioned. There must be more, so let's just get the education aspect in and out of the way. That's right. I think something we don't take, uh, we don't consider often is uh, if someone has been for a piercing or 
received a tattoo very recently. So once your skin is punctured, you open yourself up for infection, you know. So we want to make sure that um, your blood is, is safe enough. So we do defer you for a, a short while just to ensure that you heal completely and then there's no infection. I think any other sexual, um, sexually transmitted illnesses, also we look out for that. I think a low-risk profile, someone who just um, it, it considers their blood healthy enough to donate. Uh, over and above that, we want to prevent for donation. There's a thorough um, questionnaire that you do answer. We will take you through everything, just ask you all the relevant questions just to ensure that your blood is safe enough. But there are various um, questions that we do ask which relate to health. Uh, that would include your blood pressure, um, if you're on any medications, you know, just to keep the blood completely safe. Let's talk about the blood. Once it has left the patient, how it is treated and who ultimately gets it and which is more, at what price? So once the blood has left, uh, it will be packed very safely um, in temperature-controlled containers and sent to the lab. There, it'll go through a battery of tests, and depending on whether we need to separate the blood into the components, we would do that for whole blood, but otherwise people are also able to donate um, platelets as well as blood plasma, which is used for treatment of various um, illnesses, uh, chronic as well, for cancer, for brain patients as well, you know. So um, in terms of the payment of blood, I think this is a highly contested issue, which I think we need to clarify here. So we mm-hmm. do not charge for blood. What the fee that is associated with blood is for the collection, the storage, the processing. Might I add that we have very advanced testing um, stations in South Africa. that's highly sensitive and able to pick up um, HIV within weeks of infection, you know, so this is all done to protect the recipients of the blood. So typically, if you're in a state hospital, the state hospital is supposed to pay for that blood that you do receive. And blood is a prescribed minimum benefit for medical aid um, holders. So if you go to your private hospitals and receive blood there, that should also be taken up with your medical aid. But ideally, no one should be paying for blood unless you're a private patient or non-medical patient in a private hospital, you know. But I am getting blood. Are you saying if I'm on medical aid, my PMB will cover that, and if I'm at a public hospital, I will get it anyway? That is correct. That is how it should be um, paid for. Uh, But we also do have initiatives within the blood service where if you do have certain difficulties, you are able to contact our finance department and we can assist you in order to claim that from your medical aid. Is there no sale of blood to the hospital units? For instance, you do not have an obligation to the private hospitals to give them blood. I might argue then you have an obligation to the public health care sector and even there I'm not sure, but you've got the blood. You're not the ones who are going to be administering the blood where it is most required in the patient's bloodstream. How do those who ultimately get to administer that blood into the patient get it and what is the consideration for that? So we do have an obligation to provide blood for the entire country. So whether you are a private patient or you are... I see. 
Yes, you know, so we do provide blood. Where it's needed, that's where we get the blood too. And as I said, um, the costs that are associated with blood uh, is just to cover our operations, you know, our overheads. We need to pay staff, we need to ensure that we test your blood adequately. So that goes hand in hand with all the technology that we, we employ. We are very into innovation, so we are forever looking for new ways to improve on how we deliver the blood to the patient. But ultimately, we're always looking to deliver quality blood that saves lives. So um, that is where we we are. We're going to take a short break now, after which I'm going to ask some questions in relation to the partners with whom you work. For instance, the National Department of Health, the road, I mean, the Department of Transport, because this is where a lot of the trauma that requires ultimately blood at the end of the day is taking place in relation to at least car accidents and just normal social behavior where the violent crime in this country creates the demand because of blood that might flow as a result of that violence. We're going to talk about some of those aspects where perhaps we might need in the greater value chain of the demand for blood block up literally the leakages such that on the back end this demand isn't as great as it is because of these challenges in the overall social sphere of what ultimately lends itself to the requirement of blood. That's going to happen after this very short sting. For those who want to participate, especially those who are loyal blood donors, I in my life have donated something like 20 pints and that was some 20 years ago. So if you are like me or despondent or otherwise non-participatory, your thoughts are especially welcome so that Kensani might address these and of those of you who are over 100 and counting because your veins just keep popping blood your thoughts are most welcome after the break on SAFM. Ms. Kensani Matlango, Communications Officer at the South African National Blood Services, is on the line to make a special plea to you all to donate blood. And we will give her some two minutes at the end to just literally go on. You know, let's let's give her the opportunity to speak to why blood is necessary. But Kensani, let's let's talk about your partners in the demand for blood and where your demand is high, it is because there are failings elsewhere, if you like. And road accidents in this country are, if you like, a pandemic that is not nearly as treated as well as it should be because we speak about the high periods, and that's because there are large traffic volumes, people are on the road, people are impatient, unroadworthy vehicles, people driving under the influence, and just general impatience. All of that lends itself ultimately to accidents. Ultimately, those who survive accidents may need blood, and that blood has to come from somewhere. That's correct. You know, so I don't think I would want to place blame on anyone in any case because our blood, um, the majority, goes to wards treating um, hospitalized patients um, for a spectrum of um, illnesses and, and other procedures that happen. So road illnesses are only just a fraction of what we do use our blood for. But I think um, going into the festive season now, we need to be particularly cognizant of our behavior and how it affects the supply of blood. You know, the blood service will be pressed. Uh, we are hopeful for a more quiet time, but it is um, very risky. And we do anticipate that we will have a lot of demand if people are traveling. So this is very imperative that people do show up and actually do donate blood. 
there are those who used to donate blood like Songhezo and then I moved on in life and then there were no longer these campaigns that were targeting my school and I went to varsity not once did the SANBS visit my campus this is now Forte East London and I went to Stellenbosch more of the same Stellenbosch University and not once in my corporate organization has there been a, a, a drive for blood donation so it, it might speak to the fact that resources are very few and far between and you can't obviously cover every aspect of society but this must surely mean then capacity is required from your end as well. How are the drives then, this is the question, how are the drives to capacitate the blood services to be able to be more visible such that when these lock, I mean, these lockdown regulations are there where you can't access these traditional spaces, you still have opportunity and scope to get the blood? You know, we are very fortunate enough to have donor committees who are really invested in the work that we do. And part of that is them supporting us in setting up a mobile um, blood drive in more remote areas where we do not have fixed donor centers. So we rely heavily on those people who, who lend a hand in getting us out there. So anyone really can visit our website, um, sambs.org.za. Uh, so in all nine provinces, except the Western Cape, where the Western Cape Blood Service is operating. So we cover every other province. So you can call our, our, our call center or go on our website and book a blood drive. Then you can also assist us in getting into the communities where we typically wouldn't go, you know. Once we have controllers, there are people who are invested in helping us, and we're able to reach more people and collect blood. But we do not reach everywhere you are correct. Capacity is very limited. So we do rely on the public quite heavily for that as well. Speaking about the public, and I'm going to risk running a particular narrative and read into that what you will, but are there specific spaces where you do not go? If there is an answer to that, why is the reasoning behind it? I'm asking this question because you are guaranteed millions of people at public transport intersections. We are talking about your train stations, we are talking about your bus stations, we are talking about your taxi rings. But in my time of using these facilities, I've never once seen the SANBS there. So there are no particular spaces where we do not go. But uh, the criteria we use when we are booking a blood drive is specific to uh, a number. So we need to know how many people we anticipate to collect from, you know. So if it's less than 30, then it might not be viable for us to come there and set up uh, a blood drive. But we, what we would do in those types of areas is almost go out and do outreach um, to uh, educate, you know, um, those uh, stakeholders in those areas. So we would maybe set up in a food festival, for instance, uh, where we go and do blood typing. So we get to speak to the people, we engage, we educate them, we just start some myths that they may have around blood donation. And then, ideally, we would convert a couple of those people to become donors. And when they do go to maybe Jablani Mall and they see us and then they remember, oh, I remember what this is all about, you know. Let me just stop there maybe and just give some blood, you know. So we do target different spaces for sort of different initiatives, but there are no spaces we won't go. If you do have the numbers for us, we will gladly show up and set up. 
Thank you so much then, ma'am. Must appreciate for your time, Ms. Kensani Matlangu, the communications officer at the South African National Blood Services. For those of you who are not scared of needles, because you'll have to negotiate that, unfortunately, go out and donate blood. Somebody does need it. The country needs it. Call it country duty. After the break, Mr. Jarusha Rath, head of Brand Studio 24. Students of Brave, voting closes soon.